Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good morning! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's time to wake up. <laughs> it's five. We're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show. Your early morning shot of sports on 95.7. The game. Dribble hands off for baseboard. He tries to drive over to Wiggins on the right side to pool. Over to JTA. Open three. Rainbow. Rattled that one home. Juan Toscano Anderson has 17 points. And the Warriors lead 96-84 with 9.30 to go. In Cleveland. Man, if they go ahead and win this, uh, he's the MVP. Absolutely. And Juan Toscano Anderson with a career night last night as the Warriors beat the Cavs 119 to 101. And we're going to be talking Warriors in this first segment. And 888 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything. Has... Juan Toscano Anderson, JTA, has he done enough to where you will now have confidence that he can be a part of this team moving forward? Because we've been looking at the starting five and how it's going to shape out next season, and it's great that they got the win. The Warriors are back to 500 remain within contention to get into the playoffs as we wind down. Now, they do go on to face the Celtics and the 76ers. The road trip doesn't get much easier after having a a back-to-back against uh, a couple of the worst teams in the league. But uh, I I do think that JTA and what he's shown, I, I think he's done enough because right now what we've seen with the starting five is What's it going to look like next season? Should they bring back Kelly Oubre? Should they bring back Kelly Oubre? Well, one thing we're not talking about going into next year is what the depth is going to look like. And I don't know what's going to be going on with Damian Lee. You know, Jordan Poole continues to get his minutes. Nico Mannion, he doesn't really get into the game anymore. You know, Gary Payton's on a 10-day. Michael Mulder, not really sure what's going to happen with him. Same thing with Alan Smilagic, but... Has JTA done enough to where you're thinking that he could be a part of this team in the future? 888-957-9570. That's the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. Good morning, by the way. 
Stephen Lankford in with you, leading you up until 6 o'clock as the morning roast will take you from 6 until 10. Today on the show, it's going to be a fun one. So I want to start off talking a little bit about the Warriors, where they're at right now. We didn't have a Giants game last night. We did have an A's game. You got Lankford's long balls. That's coming up at 545 where I go through uh, my top five home runs of the week. Again, that's coming up at 545. We're doing that every Friday. We debuted the segment last uh, last week. Thought it went all right. Going to be doing it again today. And also, baseball, the Atlantic League, as you know, the the kind of sister league to uh, Major League Baseball. I, I think that... Um, the Atlanta League is instituting some rule changes this year that are fascinating to me. And I saw the outrage that was on social media. Need to stay off the internet. Thank you, Bob Fitzgerald. But I, I think that uh, these rule changes that they could institute in the Atlantic League and possibly into the Major League Baseball, I'm actually pretty interested in them. So we'll get to those as well. 888-957-9570 is the text slide and the phone number. JTA is baby Draymond moving forward. He needs to stay. He's got everything you need in a bench leader. And he's 27 years old. It seems like the dude just gets it. You know, he understands his role on the court. He understands that he needs to be kind of an agitator, a guy who's going to be bringing that energy off the bench. I mean, in 30 minutes last night... This dude scored 20 points, had seven rebounds, had three assists, had a steal, also had a block, and one of those steals led to a Curry three. I mean, but there was that, there was that no look, uh, uh, that uh, that that, excuse me, that no look pass that he had. There was the fake handoff, which led him to a dunk, kind of like Draymond. I mean, that was that was one of the nastiest moves of the night. I mean, he was doing it all. He was doing it all. And I think time and time again, as the season's gone on, we've grown to love Juan Toscano-Anderson just as much as any other player on the team. You know, we, we obviously, Steph, right? Steph is, is that dude. We understand that. Wiggins, you're either in or you're out on him because... Right now, most people are staying quiet on Andrew Wiggins and how he's played because he's currently scoring pretty consistently. And we're in that time where it's a good time to be watching Andrew Wiggins. You know, I equated it to kind of like being in a Wiggins utopia, right? You're going to be a part of it for three, maybe four weeks. And then the next couple of weeks, he'll look like a completely different player. But right now, we are seeing the good version of Andrew Wiggins. Draymond Green, people are on one side with Draymond, people are on another side with Draymond. There's really no in-between there. Looney, Oubre, Bazemore, Poole, Lee, Mulder, all of these guys, it seems like we are kind of going back and forth every couple of games, kind of changing our opinions on all those players. But where I'm getting at is, it doesn't seem like the opinion has changed with Juan Toscano-Anderson as far as the Warriors fan base goes. That's not what it feels like. It feels like every single game, we're coming in here either wondering, why isn't JTA getting more minutes? Or, why isn't JTA starting? Something like that. 
Is JTA better than Wiseman? Is a text actually we got from the text line uh, that stuck around from last night. Not going to go that far because they're in completely different positions as to where their careers are at. But I do think it's been a lot of fun seeing Juan Toscano-Anderson play this season. And if the Warriors do make the play-in tournament, let's just say they win. Let's just say they win and they actually make it to the playoffs. Then it's good that they made the rule changes earlier this year regarding uh, guys who are on the two-way contracts as they will be eligible to play in the playoffs, which was not how it was beforehand. But uh, Juan Toscano-Anderson, after the game, was on NBC Sports Bay Area, was was doing his post-game interview, and he was just great to hear him talk. And uh, this is what he had to say just on the team and uh, getting their first few wins here. Man, it feels good. Uh, We've been trying to do this all season. We still can make a playoff push, and, you know, we're confident that once we get into the playoffs that no teams really want to see us. At least I believe in that. So, you know, I think we're clicking at the right time to go into where it really counts, which is in the playoffs. Obviously, I'm not dismissing, you know, uh, what we have to do during the regular season. Obviously, we have to string together some wins to put ourselves in position to get into the playoffs. But, man, it's been up and down all year long. It's been some highs and some lows, but it feels good to uh, be clicking now. Now, four straight wins, three of which came against the Rockets, the Thunder, and the Cavs, and one of them, of course, being against the Denver Nuggets. But they are getting hot at the right time, and tomorrow you go on into Boston to face the Celtics, then you got the 76ers on Monday, and then you end the road trip with the Wizards on the Wednesday. So these next three games... And especially that one against the Wizards. You want to come back uh, after Bradley Beal hit that game winner from the corner. But those three games are incredibly important going forward. And then you're back at home to face the Nuggets, the Kings, and the Mavericks. So it's a tough six-game stretch, three of which are going to be uh, on the road. But the thing that's stood out to me about uh, JTA and Really, it was the second unit in this game that made the difference. I thought the starters for the Cavs were sticking around. I mean, they got Darius Garland, uh, Colin Sexton, Jared Allen, who was just grabbing rebounds left and right, Isaac Okoro, and then Kevin Love was actually in the starting five uh, as well. I mean, it's just sometimes you got to forget uh, that Kevin Love is still around with the Cavs. But their starting five is young. They were knocking down shots in that first quarter, and they kept it. I mean, they had the lead. They were up 31-28, to 28, and it just felt like they were knocking down everything when the Warriors couldn't hit any shots. But then in the second quarter, that's when it kind of broke. Uh, they, they kind of broke away, and they ended up uh, winning that quarter by 14 points, going into the half with an 11-point lead. But it was led by Juan Toscano-Anderson. And one thing that we have loved watching him do is take advantage of the fact that he's getting playing time. The fact that Steve Kerr is giving him the minutes. Right when he came in in February when Wiseman and Looney were both hurt and he came in and was thrusted into the starting five and was gone from, you know, maybe playing a game here and a game there to playing 25 to 30 minutes a night. I thought it was admirable the way that he handled it. And he spoke to that after the game when he was doing his post game on TV. And he just talked about seizing the opportunity 
and trying to take advantage of this playing time. Yeah, man, I, I have been waiting for this a long time. And obviously, you know, you've been my guy since uh, 2010, man. You know, it's been a lot of hard work, and I never take any of these moments for granted. It feels really good to have a career high of 20 points in the, in the NBA, the best league in the world, man. And so I'm still going to shoot for more. I'm still going to try to raise the bar for myself. But it's not about the points for me, man. I'm just glad we coming out and I can maybe be a difference maker on this team and helping us get some wins. Humble dude. Humble dude. And it's great. It's great. I always tell this story, but ever since I saw him back, you know, back when I was in high school in the East Bay and over at Irvington and Fremont, and there was a tournament going on over at Washington High School, and I had a friend who told me, hey, Steve, you got to go to this tournament. You know, it was on a Friday night. I'm in high school. I'm not going to I'm not going to do much. And he told me there's this team with three D1 players on it, and this dude, his name was Juan Anderson at the time. That's uh, He didn't have the hyphenated last name, but he was Juan Anderson at the time, and he, they told me, there's this dude, Juan Anderson. You got to go out and watch him. Went out to see him. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he was just toying with every team that was in that tournament, and now to see him thriving with the Warriors at this point in his career because afterwards he went to Marquette, then you found out he's with the G League Warriors, and then... Come to find out, he's one of the more fun stories to happen uh, with this season. From the 574, I think if Wiggins continues to play at this level, you could trade him and Green for a superstar with ease. I don't know about that. I don't know about that because here's the thing is the league has this narrative that's surrounding Andrew Wiggins, and you can hear it from national guys like Nick Friedel, who who's you know always fills in as a as a host on this station and he always mentions that this is the type of guy that Wiggins is you know will play very well for uh maybe a month and you know he's had a good stretch ever since the post all-star break but then you'll have those stretches uh where for two or three weeks at a time you're thinking man what 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 happened and and they say this is the Andrew Wiggins experience. And with that amount of money that he's being paid, the fact that his contract is worth the exact same amount as Joel Embiid. Let me repeat that one more time. Joel Embiid, the exact same amount because they both got max contracts at the at the exact same time with the same uh, guidelines or, or or rules that it takes in order to get uh, uh, the max contract that they got. So he has the exact same numbers as Joel Embiid. I don't know if anyone's going to be willing to trade for that. However, there could always be a team out there. So I don't know if that's in the cards. But look, if he can remain consistent going into the play-in game and then you know you get him some playoff experience, could be important going into next season. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number from the 510. Didn't JTA's contract structure prevent him from getting a ton of playing time? I remember remember hearing about how the Warriors couldn't play him a lot because of his contract. And the two-way contract gives you limitations on how many games you could play uh, during a season. But the rules changed earlier this year. And now he is eligible to play in the playoffs if they do make it he's just been a fun story man he's just been a really fun player to watch and you can tell that the energy the effort everything that he brings onto the court every night is because he really is like mentioning uh, he's taking advantage of that opportunity triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero is the text line and the phone number if you'll want to weigh in on anything today on the other side We'll get to what 
Juan Toscano Anderson had to say regarding Draymond being a teacher toward him. And then we will also get to the MLB, their Atlantic League, the rule changes that they're trying to institute. Because if you haven't heard these yet and you're a baseball purist, I don't know if you're going to like it too much. You're either going to hate it or you're going to love it. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. Steve Lightfoot did on the pregame show. Ninety five seven the game. Now back to the pregame show on ninety five seven the game. Here's Stephen Langford. All right, got to wait for that drop. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to continue to weigh in uh, today because I want to hear from you if Juan Toscano-Anderson has shown enough from this season to make you think that he could be a part of this roster in the future because it's been an interesting one this year. It's been a lot of back and forth. Besides, really, Steph, there's a bunch of people who... You know, either let's use Andrew Wiggins, for example. They either like him or they don't. Draymond Green, they either like him or he don't. James Wiseman. I mean, a lot of fans were on the James Wiseman train. And, you know, now, unfortunately, he just got surgery. Going to be out uh, for the next few months at least. And we wish him a speedy recovery and hope that he gets better soon. Uh, But some people were... Wondering what's going on with James Wiseman, a growing impatient, even though he's 20 years old and you should be patient and remain patient as a sports fan with this dude and give him his fair due. Uh, But the point is, we have been back and forth on a lot of these players, except for Juan Toscano Anderson. It doesn't feel like, and, and this is just me going off of what I've seen on Twitter going off the text line, interacting with you, listening to hosts, everybody, the way that we talk about this dude, I don't know how many, uh, how much negative attention he's getting at all because he doesn't deserve it. And really, we've had some question marks surrounding uh, the second unit. <laughs> Come on, 510. Why you gotta, why you gotta, why you gotta text me Cardi Lansford? <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, Cardi, Cardi Langford. Is that really what you just put into the text line right now to distract me? But with Juan Toscano Anderson, he's just been a lot of fun to watch this year and, you know, taking advantage of the opportunity. And when we just take a step back for a second, take the fandom out of it, you know, I mean, we got, we got a, from the 510 here, the fact that no one notices he's doing well against weaker teams is frustrating. And if you do go back, he does put up the scoring numbers against the teams that aren't very good. But even against the good teams, whenever he's in, he still makes some sort of impact on the court, uh, whether it's not scoring the basketball. Sure, there were some growing pains at the beginning, but toward the end here, I think everyone really just loves what he's been able, uh, what he's been able to do. And for me personally, I just think that when you take a step back and you think about just the athlete and where his story's been and what he, and and how he's gone about it it's just he's a 27-year-old dude who had a dream of playing in the NBA and now he's playing for his hometown team and he's giving every last possible piece of effort that he can give and he leaves it out there on the court 
And plus, he brings a little bit of that nastiness, you know, that physicality and that energy. I, I just think that he's been a lot of fun to watch. And when you take a step back, you know, take even thinking about what I just asked, which is, is he a part of this Warriors roster going forward? It's just been a joy this season when you really think about what he what he's been doing and what he's accomplished so far. Um, but here's Juan Toscano-Anderson after uh, the game. He was on the post game with uh, Fitz and Buki, and he was talking about what he's learned from one Draymond Green. Oh, man, he's a great vet. You know, he's going to be on your head when you out there on BS, but, you know, he's, he gives you praise when you're playing well, man, and, and he's a... He has a lot of IQ, man. He's a great basketball mind. He's a great competitor, and I, I love having him on my side, man. I would hate to be on the opposing teams with him, and you know, so I love being out there with him, man, because just we some dogs out there, and so, uh, you know, everybody when he came into the league, people were shying amongst uh, tweeners, you know, guys that were really positionless, but that's the value, man. You know, both of us can guard one through five. We can switch. We can play multiple positions, and so that's the value in it, and I'm glad he's been able to pave the way for guys like myself. So shout out to uh, Draymond, man. That's my guy. And he, he looked no further than his fake uh, than his fake dribble handoff to get to the hoop. I mean, he, he sets a screen, pretends to hand it off, and instead he just has an open lane to the hoop and drives it in for a dunk. I mean, there's you, you, he had to have learned that from Draymond because Draymond used that exact same move earlier on in the game. Draymond, by the way, in the what was it? In, was it in the first or the second quarter where he just absolutely yammed i haven't seen draymond get up like that and it wasn't a posterizer necessarily because he didn't have a defender contesting him but that's as an as aggressive as a dunk as as i've seen draymond get uh in this year but you could just tell that he just gets it juan toscano anderson that is he just understands where he needs to be he understands his role in the small ball lineup because he's most effective when him and Draymond are on the fl- are on the floor at the same time, and you can't really classify them as being a four or five when you're talking about the front court, because you know you could say that Scano Anderson's the small ball center or Draymond's a small ball center, but in reality they're just a couple of big guys on the court who can grab you some rebounds and then on the offensive end can run and move off ball in order to make things happen while Draymond's a facilitator. Very fascinating to see what's going on there. Uh, from the 510, he's an awesome soul on and off the court. He's shown a lot of humility. Hey, there's that one night where he had the interview with Rachel Nichols, and you know he's just sitting there going, you know, this is pretty crazy that I'm even being interviewed by you right now because I've been watching you for so long on TV. It's little things like that where you're just like, yeah, this, this dude's real, you know? And, I mean, he's from the Bay Area. Come on. Of course he's going to be real. Uh, from the 574, I do think, it's, do think it's interesting that other than Draymond Green and Steph Curry, everyone else is still trying out for this roster on a nightly basis. No one has a guaranteed spot for next year. And that's where I'm at with Juan Toscano-Anderson. I'm not, I don't know if he's guaranteed himself a spot next year, but if I'm going to create a list of the top guys outside of the starting five who I think will be a part of this team next year because it's looking right now. I mean, the starting five that they've been rolling out, obviously, is Steph, Wiggins, Oubre, Draymond, and it's been a switch between Wiseman and Looney, depending on uh, on whoever you're talking about. But um, eventually, if Wiseman would have continued to play, 
I mean, Wiseman would have been the starter going forward, and you could expect that that's how it's going to look next season. The starting five is practically solidified, and you're not going to be playing Andrew Wiggins off the bench when you're paying him $30 million next season. That's just not going to be happening. But when you're talking about Oubre, Skano Anderson, Jordan Poole, Kevon Looney's still going to be around, but when you're talking about those guys, if I had to you know, make a one, two, three at the list right now, I'd probably put Toscano Anderson at one, Jordan Poole at two, and Kelly Oubre at three. And the main reason I'm saying that about Kelly Oubre is because of the amount of money that he's going to cost next season. And I don't know if the Warriors are going to want to pay for that uh, yet again. So, you know, I just think that JTA, even though from the 5-1-0, like you mentioned, that no one notices that he does well against the bad teams, but who cares? Still the NBA. You know, you're still going up against some veterans on this Cavs bench, uh, whether, you know, it's switched off between Larry Nance and Kevin Love or Tori and Prince. I mean, you know, Matthew Dellavedova. Completely forgot Matthew Dellavedova even was still around the league. Uh, but, you know, still, it there's something to be said about the effort that Toscano Anderson has shown and his understanding of playing with Steph and Draymond, most importantly. That's the most important thing. Because if you could just bring in JTA and they run a small ball lineup, the fact that he understands what to do and how to score with those guys on the court, as well as with these other bench players, I think that that's the type of guy that you want on this team next year if you're expected to, you know, make some sort of playoff push once Clay comes back. But triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. That is the text line and the phone number, of course, uh, if you want to weigh in. So as mentioned, they got the Celtics, they got the Sixers, and then they got the Wizards. Uh, and that the road trip will end next Wednesday. As I need to get my standings in order here and just make sure that I'm all good. But right now, where the Warriors stand within the Western Conference, they are currently ninth with a 28-28 and record. The Grizzlies are right ahead of them. They're only a half game up, but the Spurs are a half game behind as the Spurs continue uh, to remain cold. But the Mavs continue to pull away there with the seventh seed. So right now, you got the Mavs at seven. You got the Grizzlies at eight. You got the Warriors at nine. You got the Spurs at ten. And then, oh, yeah, you got the Pelicans uh, at the 11th spot. But who knows what's going to happen with them. If they can catch fire uh, toward this last stretch of the season, then that can make the play-in tournament all that more interesting. But 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. But coming up next, going to share my thoughts on some of these rule changes that the Atlantic League is instituting for Major League Baseball, because the Atlantic League, in case you don't know, is essentially a way for baseball to experiment with any new rule changes. You know, for example, robot umps were involved with that, but they're instituting instituting some new ones this year, and I'd be interested to hear any of your thoughts on them, because I have some, and I've seen some outrage on Twitter, but I'm actually kind of interested to see how these rule changes for one, are instituted, and two, how they can possibly change up the game. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show. Ninety five seven. The game. Help me out. 
Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Uh, you're probably cringing in your car right now as I did that on the air. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number, of course, if you want to weigh in on anything today. Coming up in about 10 minutes at 545, well, 8 to 9 minutes more or less. We're going to get to Langford's Long Balls, where I go through my five favorite home runs from the week, the top five. We got some longerable mentions, and we also got the Long Baller of the Week. So Langford's Long Ballers coming up in about eight to nine minutes here at 545. But I do want to share my thoughts real quick on these rule changes that they're trying to institute with baseball. Now, the Atlantic League, if you have not heard of it, is an eight-team league where the franchises along the East Coast have a 120-game regular season, and they're going to institute some rule changes in the second half of their season. Now, the Atlantic League, of course, is a professional baseball league. Um, It's not necessarily the minors, uh, but it's another entity. And one thing that baseball uses it for, MLB that is, they use it to experiment with these sort of things. You know, so if robot umps were to come into play, like they'd experiment with that, all all, all different kinds of stuff. Well, here's the first one. And I've seen people get outraged over this. But look, if baseball is trying to change their rules in order to make the game more watchable, I'm all for it. Quite frankly, I don't know if fans are ever going to be happy. Because if they do one thing, then fans question it. They do another that seems to have a positive outlook. Fans still question it, no matter what. Right? And the Atlantic League is going to, and they announced these plans a couple of days ago, they're going to move the pitcher's mound back 12 inches from home plate. And they're expecting it to reduce home runs and strikeouts and increase the action from batter to batter. And one thing they've been wanting to move the mound back forever. But one aspect that has changed regarding pitchers is not only is it just how tall they are. <laughs> On average, the pitchers in this league now are much taller than it used to be. I think there's like an average of six four compared to what it used to be with an average of six one. And therefore their strides can be a little longer. Not only is it that, just the size of these dudes, but it's also the fact that they're throwing 100-mile-an-hour pitches, and it's very common in the league now. And they use it with mechanics, with pitching science. They try and make long strides toward home plate. They use their stride, and, you know, Araldus Chapman's a great example. He has one of the longest strides in the league. But they're moving it a foot back also just because... These guys have a lot of movement on their pitches. And I think this is a questionable one. I do want to see how it works out. But I don't know if it's going to increase the rate of base hits. I don't know if it's going to give the chance for the batter, if it's just 12 inches, to really see the type of movement on the pitch, to really see the seams of the pitch, to try and determine what it is. I don't know if it's going to make that sort of difference. And if I had to guess, 
you know, if they're doing it is an experiment. So let's create a hypothesis here. My hypothesis would be these pitchers aren't going to be able to locate it and they're just going to draw more walks. That's what I would hypothesize regarding moving the mound back 12 inches. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. If you feel like it's going to create more action and, you know, possibly less strikeouts, but I feel like the walks are going to go up. And I don't know how much fans want the walk to be instituted because the three true outcomes, one of them involves a strikeout, one of them involves a walk, and one of them, one of them involves a home run. And the point of these experiments would be to take away, or at least re- not take away, but at least reduce those three true outcomes. And you would be increasing to me the number one thing which you don't want to increase, which is the amount of walks. So that's what I do see happening, but that's the type of rule change that they're going to experiment with in the Atlantic League uh, in the second half of their 120-game regular season. Be the first change of mound regulations in professional baseball since 1969, by the way, when the MLB lowered the mound after a season in which seven starting pitchers posted sub-two ERAs. So they're trying to do that. But here is the other one to me, which I don't know how it's going to work out, but I do think that it's worth looking at. The Atlantic League, and this is from the Washington Post, by the way. This was reported a couple of days ago. The Atlantic League will also institute a double-hook rule governing the designated hitter. A double-hook rule. Now, this might get a little complicated, so be patient. Langford's long ball is coming up in three minutes. Teams can keep a DH in their lineups as long as their starting pitcher remains in the game. But when a manager goes to the bullpen, the new pitcher must bat or be substituted out. Let me read that again. Teams can keep a DH in their lineups as long as the starting pitcher remains in the game. But when a manager goes to the bullpen, that new pitcher must bat or be substituted out of the game. And the whole point is to, you know, find some sort of compromise between the American League and the National League, if possible. But also, it's to keep starting pitchers in. We hate, absolutely hate watching starting pitchers go out too early. Having the manager call the bullpen way too soon. We hate that as baseball fans. We want to see these guys, you know, go for as long as possible. But I'm actually very interested in this because I'm just straight tired of watching pitchers hit. I am. I don't care if it adds to the strategy because if there's no runners on base, then you're going to end up getting at-bats like Johnny Cueto had in that game uh, earlier this week where he just doesn't even try. And it's just a wasted position at that point. Like, there's no point in having a pitcher go out there if he's not going to try and hit, which a majority of the pitchers are like Cueto in that sense. So if you could keep a DH in the lineup, as long as a starting pitcher is out there, I'm all for it. And then I think the strategy will increase when you decide whether you should take the pitcher out and put a reliever in because you run the risk of taking that DH out of the game. So I do think it's going to increase the strategy if strategy is what you want when it comes to pitchers hitting. Uh, uh, look, I'm 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 all for that double hook rule. I'm you know the moving of the mound, moving the mound back. Eh, 
I, I, and you know, I'm I'm kind of back and forth on it. You know, I'm just I'm like, yeah, give it a shot, see what happens, because you know, there there's two sides to that argument, and either side uh, makes sense with their argument. But if you can institute this double hook DH rule, which at least lets a starting pitcher remain in the game as long as there's a DH, I mean, I'm all for it. I really am, and I do think that that would add some intrigue. Fans wouldn't know what to do, but of course, fans aren't okay with this. There's outrage going on on social media, and you know, it's you, you want to market the players. What are we doing? Well, you know what? If you want to market players, and this is just my idea, look, they need to listen to me here on the pregame show. They need to listen from 5 to 6 every morning, Monday through Friday, because if you want to market your players... Create a video game that's more conducive to kids. MLB The Show is very realistic, but I do feel like it can be very boring. But for me, when I was eight years old playing backyard baseball 2001, and they added the pro players into it, and I was playing that bleep every day, I mean, I was all about it. And that added intrigue and made me want to watch baseball in turn. So that's my idea. If you want to market players, you also need to have players that want to be marketed, which is why at 5.45 on every Friday, we like to do Langford's Long Balls as we go through my five favorite home runs of the week. All right. So we do this every Friday at 5.45 because there's a ton of home runs that are hit in baseball. And there are players which, quite frankly, a lot of people haven't heard of. So if Baseball's not going to market their players. We're going to do it right here on the pregame show at 545 and try to market them as best as we can. There has been 429 home runs so far in the 2021 season. But here are my five favorite ones from this week. It doesn't necessarily have to be about the distance. It doesn't have to be about the exit velocity. It can be about that. But really, it's about the stories that go along with these home runs. So, number five on Langford's Long Balls this week. Mancini, first pitch, swinging, drive, deep right center field, way back. It's out of here. Trey Mancini with his first home run of the season. It was Orioles versus Red Sox in Baltimore last Saturday. It was the first inning, and Trey Mancini absolutely mashed it. 427 feet, 111 miles per hour off the bat. And he did it oppo taco. Now, the Orioles ended up losing that game in extras and are 5-8 and eight this year. And they lost both games of a doubleheader uh, versus Seattle yesterday. But he's only batting 163 and has three homers and 10 RBIs. But the fact that he's even playing right now after being diagnosed with colon cancer last season at 29 years old and making a comeback, Trey Mancini hitting his first home run of the year and doing it in a 427-foot opposite field fashion, I am all about that. So Trey Mancini is number five on my list of long ballers of the week. Number four, we go to the White Sox versus the Indians. This happened yesterday, or excuse me, two days ago, bottom of the first. The 28-year-old rookie, the Yerminator, is back on Langford's Long Balls list. Yermin Mercedes! A galactical three-run home run! He unloaded again! He gets a fastball, it's middle in and up. And this leaves nothing to the imagination. I mean, he gets it on the sweet spot. You can take a look at that one, young man, because it's going to go for a while. 
Credit NBC Sports Chicago with that audio. 431 feet, 111 miles an hour off the bat. He just crushed it to left field. And the reason that it's number four on my list and the reason that your mean Mercedes is back on the Langford's long balls list is because of the way he stared at it. He has that two-handed swing. He has kind of that leg kick that Justin Turner has, except he has the two hands still on the bat in his follow-through. Absolutely crushed it to left and is walking toward first base, just staring at it with both hands still on the bat for the first five steps. I highly recommend you check it out. And we profiled him last week on Langford's Long Balls. But just to reiterate, your mean Mercedes signed out of the DR, was in the Independent League, signed with the Orioles, but then he was selected by the White Sox in the Rule 5 draft after kind of getting buried in the minor leagues with the Orioles, made the team this year, and now he's batting 476, has three home runs, 10 RBIs, and he has a 522 on base percentage. 522. He's on base 52% of the time so far through this season. So your mean Mercedes of the Chicago White Sox is number four on my list of Langford's long balls. Number three, we go to Marlins versus the New York Mets last Saturday. Jacob deGrom is on the mound. And who is at the plate? But a guy that the Giants are going to be seeing today in second baseman. One of the more fun players that you possibly haven't heard of in Jazz Chisholm. As Jazz lifts one right field and strikes the two balls. As Jazz lifts one right field and that might be too good of a strike. How about upper deck for Jazz Chisholm Jr.? It's one nothing Marlins. <laughs> Short, compact, easy swing. Easy swings at 100 miles an hour go a long way. Credit to Fox Sports Florida for that audio. Jazz Chisholm, the 23-year-old rookie. If you haven't heard of this dude, well, you're going to be seeing him against the Giants uh, this upcoming weekend. He's a lot of fun. I first saw him actually on Instagram on one of these uh uh, pages that shows good defensive plays, and they showed him in spring training. This dude is smooth defensively, but I didn't know he would be this sick in the batter's box. That ball, I mean, look, the the distance and the exit velocity, they don't even do it justice because they're barely even over 400 feet, but he hit it into the upper deck off Jacob DeGrom, who hit it at a, or threw 100 miles an hour, and Jazz Chisholm is currently the 20th player in the StatCast era to even hit a home run off a 100-mile-an-hour pitch. So he's 22 years old, and if you haven't heard this guy's story, Jazz Chisholm grew up in the Bahamas, signed to a contract with Arizona, then was traded straight up for Zach Gallen from the Diamondbacks, their, uh, you know, their starter, and he got called up last season from their alternate training site to the Marlins, got the starting job this year through spring training, He's got a 258 average with a couple of homers, six RBIs, also has a couple of steals, smooth on defense, and his swing. He's got this uppercut swing with the two gold chains. This dude's got a lot of swag, and he's a 23-year-old rookie. You know, in Miami, it's tough to really, it's tough in Miami to get your name out there, but Jazz Chisholm is a guy that you're going to want to pay attention to. Has blue hair, by the way. Has blue hair. This dude's a lot of fun, man. Jazz Chisholm of the Miami Marlins, number three on the list of Langford's long balls. All right, this story's going to be a little hefty, so bear with me. But we go back to the Tigers versus Astros this Monday, and the A's actually saw him yesterday. But Akil Badu from the Detroit Tigers is a bad man. 
Shaquille Badu puts a jolt into one. Deep center field, it's gone! Oh, baby! Who is this kid? Tigers go back-to-back here in the third. It's 4-0 Detroit. This guy's going to be the story of baseball, and that ball is smoked. Credit Bali Sports Detroit for that audio, and he is the story of baseball. 450 feet, 109 exit velo on that home run. Just demolished it to right center. And he's a lefty, but he's got kind of that same sort of swing as Juan Uribe in that follow-through at the end. When you remember Juan Uribe would hit a home run and he'd know it, and he'd kind of stick his hands out. You know, he'd stick both his hands out as soon as he let go of the bat. Akil Badu is on his way to doing that, but if you haven't heard about this dude's story, he was drafted out of high school by the Twins in 2016, never made it past high A ball. And he started out hot in, his, in rookie ball, but his numbers deteriorated the next couple of seasons. And then on top of that, he had Tommy John in 2019, then obviously had the pandemic season last year, so he couldn't even play in the minors. But again, never made it past high A. So eventually he was eligible for the Rule 5 draft, and the Tigers took him. And he was expected to be the fifth outfielder as he made it to the 40-man roster in spring training. But he hit a home ra- a home run in his first step at this year. Already has a grand slam. Already has a walk-off single. And he currently bolsters a 370 average with four home runs, 11 RBIs, and 963 slugging. So Akil Badu is another one of those rookies uh, that you're going to want to pay attention to because he's been a lot of fun to watch so far this year. All right. Let's get to number one, and if you haven't, if you've been living under a rock and just haven't been paying attention to baseball at all, number one on the list, of course, is Ronald Acuna Jr. In the air, left center field, Marte just admires that baby. We've seen him hot, Tommy. I, I, I just don't remember a stretch where he's been this on everything. Yeah, no, he's locked in on any, everything right now. And that was one of his best hits of the week, his home runs, because he had five in a row. He's the only guy on the Braves doing anything. But Ronald Acuna Jr., he's actually not only the number one on this list, but he's also the long baller of the week. I mean, if you have five home runs and five straight days or whatever it is. Ronald Acuna deserves to be number one. He's had 14 extra base hits through Atlanta's first 13 games, and that's tied for the most in franchise history with Hank Aaron, who also had 14 extra base hits through 13 games in 1959. So he's doing historic things. Not only is it what he just, the fact that he's really good, but it's the swag that he plays with. You know, flexing at his dugout with the chains as he's running to first base after cracking a 400-foot bomb. Ronald Acuna is one of the most fun players to watch in baseball, and I have a feeling that he will be a long baller of the week for a long time coming. Last week, it was Ryan McMahon because he had three homers in one game, but this week, you can't help but put Ronald Acuna Jr. on the list. So, number five, we had Trey Mancini. Number four, we had Jermaine Mercedes yet again. Number three, we had Jazz Chisholm. Number two, we had Akil Badu from the Detroit Tigers. And then number one, we had Ronald Acuna Jr. That's going to do it for Langford's Long Balls this week. We'll be back next week with my five favorite home runs of the week. And we'll see how many are hit by that time. Some honorable mentions, by the way, to Eduardo Escobar from the Diamondbacks. He's had five home runs in his last seven games. 
Bo Pichette with a two-homer game a couple of days ago, one of which was the game winner uh, against the Yankees, the walk-off. And then, of course, Wilson Ramos from the Tigers. He's had four home runs this week. J.D. Martinez and Rafael Devers from the Red Sox both hit three. The whole point of that segment is because, look, there are a lot of home runs that are hit in this league, and the home run uh, has kind of lost its flavor, kind of lost its touch because it happens so often. But if you dig and search and you know look for it, you'll find that there are actually some pretty cool uh, home runs hit and some pretty cool stories surrounding baseball. But one of the ones starting in this three-game series tonight, Giants and Marlins, they're starting. And uh, who do we got here? Who do we got here pitching? Where 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 was I? Oh, my, oh my goodness. How did I lose this? Uh, we got – oh, excuse me. One second. Give me a sec. Not only do we have the Tigers and the A's tonight, you got Frankie Montas on the mound as they beat the Tigers last night. You got Di Sclafani going tonight to start off this three-game series, and then you got Aaron Sanchez tomorrow, and then Alex Wood making his debut as a starter on Sunday uh, for the Giants. But Jazz Chisholm, if you just don't know any players on the Marlins, they're 5-7 and seven this year, and that's fine. But if there's one player that you want to pay attention to, one dude who's a lot of fun, who's smooth at second, you know, needs to hit for average a little bit more, but the 23-year-old rookie from the Bahamas who was traded straight up for Zach Gallen uh, from the Diamondbacks, Jazz Chisholm is the guy that you're going to want to pay attention to. Dude has a lot of swag, has blue hair, he has the gold chains, has everything. Uh, he's going to be a lot of fun to watch this weekend when he's playing uh, when he's playing over there in Miami, and uh, we'll see what the Giants do over there. But Jazz Chisholm the name that you want to pay attention to uh, this weekend with the Giants in the Marlins series. Real quick, before we get to the morning roast, did anyone see now that Justin Fields is the betting favorite to be taken with the number three overall pick? I just, I don't know what to think anymore. I really don't. I think there's a chance that a lot of these quarterbacks taken in the top of these lists can actually be pretty good especially the three that we're talking about with Mac Jones, Trey Lance, and Justin Fields. As a matter of fact, the two guys that I have the biggest question marks with, (laughs) it's weird, but it's the guys that are expected to be taken with the top two picks, with Trevor Lawrence and with Zach Wilson. You know, if there's any, if uh, I'm questionable surrounding them, I don't know how they're going to do. Because Trevor Lawrence was... You know, he was in talked about as being the number one overall pick for a couple of years now. And there's a lot riding on his shoulders with the Jaguars possibly taking him with the number one overall pick. But now that Justin Fields is the betting favorite, I just I just don't even know what to think anymore. <laughs> like I really don't. Because Mel Kuyper's mock draft 4.0 had Justin Fields going tenth and Mac Jones going third to the Niners, and that was earlier this week. And now Fields is the betting favorite after the pro day. Maybe it's because of uh, maybe it's because of the way Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch were looking at him during the pro day. I don't know. I really don't know. All right. Whew. All right. Coming up next, the morning roast with Kate Scott, Bonte Hill, and of course Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky, Bucky Brooks coming up at eight fifteen. If you want to hear some great analysis on these prospects, you're going to be hearing it a lot today, but Bucky Brooks from the NFL Network is awesome. So you're going to want to hear him at 8.15. And then Rob Nen, ooh, former giant coming on at 8.50. Thanks so much for joining me, everyone. 
Have a great week weekend. Tune into the roast now.